0: Throw left side has the first down and more up the sideline 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown Houston. There is no off season for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now it's Texans All Access.
1: Yes, sir. Welcome into a Thursday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host this evening, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And Mark Vanderman will not be with us tonight. He is a bit under the weather, so uh, Mark will be with us uh, tomorrow. I told him, he's like, ah, fight through it. I'm like, no, 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 no. You You just go get rested. The golden pipes need to stay golden, and hopefully we'll be okay. All right, tonight on the show, we have two of the greatest Texans that maybe have ever lived, two of the greatest Texans in the city of Houston, right now in the next segment we'll hear from lovey smith i had a chance to go one-on-one with lovey smith today and of course lovey met with the media but we'll have my interview with him and i went one-on-one with him like i said but right off the top it is maybe the greatest texan that i know an alum of baylor university native of waco it's the general john mcclain general i've been waiting since monday night to talk to you how are you my friend
2: John, I'm doing great as every Baylor alum out there. We're still on cloud nine after that decisive victory over Gonzaga. And you think of where Baylor program was when Scott Drew got there and where they are right now. It's just been tremendous. And uh, Baylor's building a new basketball arena and they know where it's going. They know what it looks like and they've raised money, but they need more money to top it off and Talk about great timing. Wow. And I think they should build statues outside the basketball arena. It's Scott Drew and Kim Mulkey, who's won three national championships. They have a statue of uh, RG3 outside McLean Stadium. I think they also should put one up there. Mike Singletary, the greatest defensive player in Baylor history, and, of course, a native Houstonian who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And you mentioned Lovey Smith. I have a column that was just posted on Texas sports nation about 2013 with three games left. Gary Kubiak was fired and Bob McNair. Cause I've talked to Bob about this when it happened off the record, um, i would known Lovey Smith since 1996 when the Oilers left and I started covering the NFL, and I spent a lot of time in Tampa because Tony Dungy turned around that franchise was one of the greatest NFL stories in history. So, Tony back then, you could go in the office, talk to any coach you want to, get to know him. Lovey from Big Sandy up in East Texas, won state championships with great running back David Overstreet. Mm -hmm. And Lovey had not been back as a coach in Texas, since he coached at Big Sandy in 1980. But even back when I met him, he talked about someday wanting to come back and coach in Texas. So in 2013, he was out of work that season because the Bears had fired him, even though he had a 10-6 record that season. And even though his record with the Bears was 84-66, including three, three in the playoffs and a Super Bowl, lost to the Colts and his buddy Tony Dunchy so Bob McNair interviewed lovey talked to him on the phone several times Bob told me how much he liked him he brought lovey in for an interview and after the Bob was blown away and afterward I told Bob I was writing about it he said okay and I told him I said now I don't want to go overboard if you tell me that uh, lovey Smith's not a serious candidate he goes Go overboard. So I remember writing a couple of columns, and because they, Bob knew he was could hire a new coach, uh, he could interview him before the season was over. Because Lovey was out of work, so I right. thought Lovey was going to get the job, and and I wrote about this. But then Corn Ferry uh, recommended a Penn State head coach, and Bob and Cal McNair went to Cape Cod, where Bill O'Brien owns a home. And they interviewed him, and he blew him away even more. So they hired Bill Lovey. Was hired by Tampa Bay, and now Lovey he talked to me about that, and he said, "But you know what?" He said, "Now I'm just coming. I'm coming to the Texans in a different capacity, and I can't tell you how excited I am to be work, working here." And of course, he praised Bob McNair as just about everybody did, but it's it's a terrific story about they almost hired Lovey Smith over Bill O'Brien.
1: It's a that story itself, General, when you just think about how the organization is different if Lovey Smith does take over as head coach and, and what where where it goes at that point. I mean, just that singular decision of, hey, you know, I think it might be Lovey, but then boy, Bill O'Brien really blew us away. Okay, we're gonna go with Bill O'Brien. I mean, just the fortunes of the, the organization change. I mean, you know, maybe who knows? Maybe Lovey Smith comes in here and and it goes extremely well, you know, taking a team that was wildly talented in 2013 but underperforming and, you know, takes them to even higher heights in 2014 uh, than 9-7. and seven. You know, who, who's to say? But the one thing I t- that I, I took out of my conversation with him today, John, was just how gracious he is to be back in the state of Texas. That and also the importance of the relationship with he and, and David Culley. And David Culley's talked about that that relationship over the years that's been cultivated uh, between David and with Lovey really is a a big reason why uh, outside the fact that he wanted to be back in Texas, why Lovey Smith is back here in, in Houston. John, what did you take out of Lovey's press conference today? Was there anything that you went, Oh, okay. That's, that's interesting. Okay. That's something I want to take note of. Was there any of that in the press conference today that when Lovey met with the Houston media?
2: First of all, Lovey Smith is a first-class guy, one of the classiest guys I've ever met in my 45 years covering the NFL. And I don't know David Culley very well, but people that do say he's the same type of guy. So I can see how those two would get along so well. Now, Culley's an offensive coach. He'll be involved in the offense. You know, he oversees everything, but I'll guarantee he's going to leave Lovey alone and let Lovey coach the defense. And one thing would have been different. If Lovey Smith had been hired in 2014, they would have played a four-three yeah. instead of a three-four. You know, when I think of Lovey's defense, I think of the Tampa two with two deep coverage, yeah. and the and the middle linebacker has got to be able to drop and run and cover. Well, Cunningham fits that, and they'll play some cover too. But as he explained, versatile. You know, players need to be versatile. But in his in that four-three, and he puts a special emphasis on the speed at linebacker. Cunningham can run. If you're an outside linebacker competing on this team, you've got to be able to move. you got to play in space. You've got to be able to cover. If you can blitz, that's okay. But he wants to get the primary pass rush with his front four, and if that's rare. So he's going to have to send somebody. So usually that's going to be a strong side linebacker because the other one's going to be dropping into coverage unless he goes with an all-out blitz. So he will play some men. So it's not fair to call it the Tampa 2 anymore because it's evolved over the years. And, and you know, when Lovey was at the Bucs, he was the linebacker's coach for five years. Monty Kiffin, one of the all-time great defensive coordinators, was the defensive coordinator under Dungy. And they turned the, that program around. Herm Edwards was the secondary coach. And then when he was hired by the Rams, they went to the Super Bowl. They lost the first – Super Bowl that the Patriots won under Bill Belichick, and then when he was with the Bears, you know he took them to the Super Bowl and they got beat by the by the uh, Colts in the rain. It was an unbelievable rainstorm in Miami. But Lovey's records, some of his records with Chicago: eleven and five, thirteen and three, eleven and five, ten and six. He was a coach of the year. And this is the first time he's been an assistant coach in the NFL since he was defensive coordinator with the Rams under Mike March. And so he, he's out for five years at Illinois. But he said, you know, he always kept up with the NFL. For some people think, well, is his is, is the way he coaches going to hold up? Well, he's not stupid. The guys he watched <laughs> in the NFL, in college football, have a lot of them have moved on to the NFL, and like any good coach, he'll adapt. And what's interesting, if they make them have another virtual offseason and you're implementing a whole new system, it's going to be extra tough because not only are they putting in a new system that affects the front seven so much, you got so many new players. It's not like J.J. Watt's still there and and, uh, some of those other holdover players who've been starting. And one of the roles that I can't wait to see, John, and I'll ask you this. Whitney Merciless was drafted to be an outside linebacker in a 3-4. You know, Whitney's about 260. He's close to 6-4. He's been a pass rusher. He's dropped when he had to. Do you see? He's, He's not outside line. He's too big four, three outside linebackers are not 260 pounds. So does he compete at defensive end? Does he come in as a situational pass rusher, which I think might make him more effective if he came up in passing situations to get out to the quarterback. What do you think under Lovey's scheme do you see in store for merciless?
1: I think you're right, John. I think that's exactly, he kind of turns into a, Uh, kind of a poor man's Julius Peppers when, you know, Peppers near the end of his career when he was with both Green Bay and then finishing with Carolina, it's essentially what he was. He was a designated pass rusher. He played, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 plays a game and he just, he just rushed. That was it. That was all he did. Now they did move him around a little bit, but he rushed from a number of different spots, but that's what he turned into. Now, Whitney is not as dynamic an athlete as Julius Peppers is and, and throughout the time I've been covering the NFL I don't know that many people are he was a freak of nature the irony is is that when, when he was coming out of Illinois one of my biggest concerns was okay he's a 4-3 defensive end at Illinois can he convert to a 3-4 outside linebacker can he play standing up and now at the end uh, at the end near the end of his career in the back nine of his career now we ask the other question is okay can he play a defensive end I think he can I think he can adjust to it Um, it's, it'll take a little bit, but you know, that's, that's always there. He just has to kind of adjust back to, you know, putting his hand back on the ground. But John, I think that's a great point. I think that's what he becomes. And when you look at how his contract got restructured, I think you could say, yeah, this, I think this fits a little bit for what, uh, Whitney could do. And then you throw in Whitney and John Grenard, you know, make, you know, taking a step. I think that somebody is also coming from the draft at that particular position, uh, I agree uh, we'll 100%. In the mix. Yeah, I think somebody will be thrown in the mix there at, at defensive end uh as well. So, I think you're going to have you're going to have some bodies there and hopefully those guys end up turning into players. Now, we know Whitney has done it before. He's just got to adapt to it. And I think you're right though. I think that's where he goes and becomes kind of a, a situational pass rusher, and, you know, so be it. You know, Julius Peppers, like I said, was a guy like that. So, I'm I think you're right. I think that's exactly what they end up doing with them. And I would be okay with that.
2: If he, Whitney, when he came in, he struggled early mentally with Romeo's system. I remember talking to him. He said, I want to get to where I can react and not think, and he did. And yep. so now I think a transition, being a defensive end and a 4-3 rushing the passer is not to, not going to handicap you mentally. You know, ball snap, get up the field, get the quarterback, but right. set the edge. And I think that it'll be an easy transition for Whitney. And if he got four sacks last year, seven and a half the year before, it, as he's gotten older, and it's not like he's 40 years old, but I would think a reduced role where he plays about 20 or 25 plays and they say – give everything you got on the pass rush. I think that he could really help them a lot. And uh, that even if he could just get five or six, that would be great. And I look for Charles amenihu to make the biggest yes. improvement of any of the linemen. And Ross Blacklock, I remember last year when he was a disappointment and Romeo saying, talking about, well, he's better at this. Well, what right. he said was, without saying it, he's better in a 4-3 guy yes. where he Absolutely. just gets up the field and he doesn't have to grab and read and react and try to shed the blocker. It does let him get up the field. So I look for him and to be improved, and I look for Omino to be greatly improved. And one reason they wanted Shaq Lawson is he's good against the run. So if you could have, like, Four guys that have five or six sacks, that's just as good as two having 12. And I think they would have a more balanced pass rush. Now, Lovey was blessed with some great athletes with the Buccaneers, with the Rams, and with the Bears. And uh, one of the things that his defenses, no matter where he was, they forced a lot of turnovers. And this defense with the Texans last year, Four, seven that was the second fewest in the NFL since nineteen eighty. And he's coming in with a blank slate and not a new a lot of new players. And and he that's how he does it. You know, they all want to do it. And they all say Say these things come in droves, and once you force a couple, you're going to get more. But the fact is, Lovey said he wants the defense to score touchdowns. Well, to yeah. score touchdowns, you got to get takeaways, and that's the biggest improvement I look for on defense. Even if they give up a lot of yards and points, I think you're going to see them forcing a lot more turnovers.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, John. When I was when I was talking to Lovey, I was kind of thinking of questions I wanted to ask him, and I wrote a question down on uh, on my notes about. Yo, know, you know, what? What did he think about the 2020 defense? And then I started thinking about. it. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I kind of don't want. I kind of want to know.
2: Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, and you know, he wasn't going to tell you the truth.
1: Well, exactly. <laughs> but here's the other thing too. From the 2020 defense, as we move forward, how many guys are actually going to be not only back on the defense, but playing? in a similar role that they were on the defense last year. I mean, Justin Reed's playing safety. We know that, I would imagine, as long as Justin's healthy. But other than that, Roby out on the outside and Justin Reed, you know, Zach's going to have kind of a different role, linebacker potentially. Nobody's really going back into the same spot. And so I was like, okay, I'll scrap that question. But as I asked him, as it pertained to, you know, the struggles last year, the first thing he brought up was, John, you score more points than the other team. Our defense has got to score points, i.e., we gotta go get the ball. And so I didn't ask him, had you watched last year's film, had you looked at this? He knew right away, look, this defense, A, had better stop the run. And B, it better go get the football. And when you think about the guys that they've added, you know, a guy like Desmond King, you know, that's what Desmond King was great at. When he was in college, when he was early in his career, he went and he got the football. John, I can't every time I write something. I always think about the safeties on this football team didn't have an interception through 16 games last year. No safety had an interception. The league, or the team leader in interceptions, was a defensive end.
3: That's and he's how gone. Bad
1: it was, and he's gone. That's how bad it was last year, turning the turning teams over. I mean. It's just in, it's incredible to think about how bad this team was. Had you ever seen anything like that, John? Where a team was so bad getting turnovers, as the Texans were in 2020. Had you ever no, seen? No, the anything only like one
2: that? the only one that was worse was the 49ers in 2018 when they had um, they had seven and the Texans had nine. And you know, you talking about the safeties? It wasn't like they were all dropping balls, right? You know, they weren't get, they weren't getting the balls, right? And the thing about the defense, I've never known a defensive lineman, even the big, heavy nose tackles, who knew that their job was to to grab, hold, and try to tie up two blockers. But I've never known a defensive lineman who didn't want to play in a four three because they don't want to play two gaps. They want to just right. play one. Get up, get up to field, get off the ball, try to create some havoc instead of grabbing, reading reacting. And so that's why I think black lock and those guys who are back from last year and all those new guys, you know, they, Nick, I'll say this for Nick Casario. You know, if you gave, if I had to give him a grade right now, an effort, it'd be an A plus because I've never seen a general manager make as many transactions as he has. And that's why I'm hoping the NFL lets them go on the field for the off season program. Because as you know, the mental part is tough. Yes, you need to learn it. But there's nothing like getting out on the practice field and walking through it and questioning players while you're actually doing it and being able to show it to them. And that's why I think a team like Carolina with Matt Rule, new coordinators, new systems, they one reason they struggled was because they didn't have what teams usually have because of COVID-19. So I'm hoping that that Lovey and his position coaches are able to get on the field before training camp.
1: John, I'm glad you mentioned the Panthers. I can't read. I think it was over the weekend. I don't know the timing of it, but Sam Darnold traded from the Jets. uh, In total, a second and a fourth next year, a sixth rounder this year uh, that the Jets get in return for the former number three pick. He's only 23 years old. He goes with Joe Brady. He showed some promise as a rookie. I heard you talking about that. Uh, the other day. I thought that game we went up there in 2018 and played them. I thought he was fantastic. He was
2: unbelievable. He was, he was. so
1: good. He was scaring the heck out of us. Uh, and I thought, man, it, he's ready to turn the corner. I thought the worst thing that happened was Adam Gase coming in. It just wasn't the right fit for him. But he goes to Carolina. What do you think about your former Baylor head coach, Matt Rule, bringing on Sam Darnold and having anything left over these next couple of years of his first contract?
2: The uh, – the, uh... They're going to pick up a fifth-year option on him. And they were one of the six teams that was seriously interested in trading for Deshaun Watson. Now all of them have backed away. And so when you see the 49ers, another team that was seriously interested, make the move to get the third pick to get a quarterback, and then you see the Panthers get Sam Darnold. I think Joe Brady – who did a, as good as you could do last year with Teddy Bridgewater, did a fabulous job with Joe Burrow and LSU, did now with Darnold, who his third overall pick is loaded with talent. I remember after that game in which he was really good, but Deshaun was better, and the Texans won. It was a Saturday in December, and the media afterward, they were like, that's why they drafted him. That's why they were – saying all these great things about him, this kid's going to be great. And then because of injuries and bad coaching and bad players around him, he was not able to realize that potential. And so I think if Rule still was able to keep his first-round pick, I think that uh, he'll draft an offensive player, whether it's a receiver, whether it's a lineman, but it's got to be to help Sam Darnold. That's something the Jets did not do. Remember last year? They let Robbie Anderson get away. Didn't yep. he go to Carolina? He
0: went to Carolina.
2: And uh, the, they lost their receiver. Uh, so I, they might be taking one of those top receivers. They pick, with Maybe they get Kyle Pitts. But I look for Darnold to play well. You know, Josh McTown did an interview this week. And, and people in New York told me, because I was thinking at one point, if the Ticks had made a deal with the Jets, maybe they'd get Darnold thrown in still yep. draft quarterback with the second pick, but you have Darnold for a year and then you trade him when that quarterback is ready. And i talked to people up there and they said, Sam Darnold played his best best when Josh McCown was his backup and was like a coach and a confidant. And when Josh left to go, it was it Philadelphia first. He yes. said, Darnold wasn't the same after that because he didn't have him there as uh, to, to help him continue to learn. And, uh, if I am, if I'm Matt Rule, when Josh McCown decides to come back to coaching, he'll have multiple offers, and I'm sure what Texans will be one of them. And if I'm Matt Rule, I'm trying to reunite him with Sam Darnold, and I say, Josh, here's a check. Just tell him, fill out what you want.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have
2: him as the quarterback coach. Yeah and Brady is the coordinator, and then that helps at some point. McCown's going to be – should be a quarterback coach, then he should be a coordinator, and everybody that's ever worked with him said he's going to be a head coach. He's just got it. So I would go all out to try to reunite him with Darnold.
1: And he would be a head coach in the NFL with the best hair even beyond Cliff Kingsbury. So uh, there's that uh, for Josh McCown. General, what you got going on in the chronicle? I thought I saw a little while ago – that you and Aaron Wilson both have mock drafts coming out. I don't know if I saw that.
2: Now they're out. We've, they're out. We've got yep. We have our, we put our mock drafts every Thursday on Texas Sports Nation. I have this column on Lovey Smith. I'm writing one Sunday about the Texans and the draft. We have uh, everything people would want to know about the Sean situation and the Texans. And and uh, I would say this: uh, Good luck to the Astros making their home opener. And I will leave you with this, John sick of bears
1: there you go i was i was waiting for it i'm glad you dropped it general you're the best thank you very <laughs> much thank you all right the pride of big sandy texas joins me next associate head coach and defensive coordinator for your houston Texans in 2021 is lovey smith he and i go one-on-one next right here on texans all access <music>
0: Can't get enough Texans Radio? We've got shows. We've got podcasts. We've got interviews. It's all on HoustonTexans.com. What makes Ford F-Series the best in Texas? Just listen to the folks who drive them.
2: Ford is by far ahead of any other competitor out there.
3: The technology that they put in the trucks, it's incredible. I love it as a family vehicle. I love the size and the space for my daughter. If you want reliable, dependable, and a good-looking truck, Ford's the way to go. I want to drive the leader.
0: Ford F-Series, America's best-selling trucks and the best in Texas.
3: Ford the best Dean Texas Dean Texas Dean Texas Texas.
0: Dean it's battle red radio Texans radio on sports radio 610 here's more of Texans all access
1: welcome back to the show Thursday night edition John Harris flying solo tonight because the voice of the Texans Mark Vandermeer a little bit under the weather he'll be back tomorrow night in the catbird seat but I am rolling. You just heard Lovey Smith in that promo. And by the way, Armin Williams, program director over at 610, can put a promo up like nobody I've ever seen. And that promo was going up. That press conference was today. <laughs> that promo got up. And it was interesting to hear Lovey say that because I heard Lovey say that to me because before he did that press conference, he was he went one on one with me and we talked about any number of things, including Talking about coaching with his son. I've always thought about coaching with my pops and how that would go, and I guarantee you my dad and I would have butted heads on the sideline. There's no question about that. Lovey and his son Miles, they haven't quite done that, but you'll hear his answer to when I asked him what it was like to coach with his son. Here is Lovey Smith, associate head coach and defense coordinator for your Houston Texans with me one-on-one. Joining me right now is associate head coach and defensive coordinator for your Houston Texans, Lovey Smith. Coach, I got to start with this. I know you've probably been asked this, but I would love to know myself. I know our listeners would love to know why Houston and why
3: the Texans. Well, John, uh, you, you probably know I'm from this state. I'm a product of Texas high school football. So, and I've had an opportunity to coach in a lot of great places uh, with a lot of good people. But uh, the opportunity to be a part of Coach Cully's first staff back here in my home state—that uh, was an opportunity that uh, just really excited about and couldn't pass up.
1: Coach, you mentioned David Cully, and we talked to him about bringing you on and the relationship you had. What was the impact of David Cully on your decision to bring you here? And what's that relationship been like over the years? Getting to know David Cully, the two of you now joining forces here in Houston.
3: Well, John, that's what, I mean, experience does teach you an awful lot. You've come and had a chance to uh, be around a lot of people. And uh, my time, you know, getting to know David early on, I mean, he was one of the good guys with a bright mind, was really good at, uh, you know, at what he did. I'm talking about his position, offensive football. Uh, So that, you know, initially it, it was just that part right there. And, you know, we're in this business to win. And to be a part of uh, a rebirth uh, you know, of our program here, of getting it back on top, uh, and to help David, too, do that. And and when somebody gets their first staff and they ask you to be a part of it, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty special. And uh, since we've been down here, is, everything I thought it would be and wanted it to be is exactly how it's going. Well,
1: I can imagine you don't get great barbecue in Tampa Bay or Illinois, but you definitely do here in Houston. <laughs> I'll make you feel at home. Coach, when we all found out, and I might say we, I mean fans, people in Houston, analysts, football people, et cetera, found out you were going to be the head coach, immediately people went, oh, 4-3 Tampa 2, and the Texans last year were more 3-4 and before that 3-4. Is there too much made of the difference between the two schemes of being a 3-4 versus being a 4-3? Is it more homogenized now in the NFL? How do you kind of look at that situation Uh, because that's obviously something you ran with success earlier in your career as an NFL defense coordinator. Is there too much made of the difference between the two nowadays?
3: Yeah, I, I I guess in a way, but uh, maybe not too much is made of it. I mean, you're still dealing with seven guys that are primarily a part of the uh, you know, the front Uh, looking at it that way. There are some similarities, but uh, there are some basic philosophical things that I believe in. First off, I've uh, every year I've been in football, I've coached from a, a, a basic 4-3 front. So I really have a belief in it. And it's what you believe in as much as anything. Um, I believe in having four, four defensive linemen that uh, most of the time they're working on things that defensive linemen do. That's important to me. There's a profile that we have at every position from our 4-3. And there's a group. If you look in the NFL now, John, probably about half of us feel that way. You talk to a three, four guys, They, I, I see a reason why they like to do it. So I just know that this is what we believe in. We feel real good about putting the personnel together to be able to run it. Besides the scheme, and we've watched for a long time, the players you've been able
1: to, to cultivate over the years, coach, and the defenses you've been able to put together. But if you take the scheme out of it, in your estimation, what's the one thing that your defense has to be able
3: to do or has to have to turn the corner and be a great defense in the NFL? And, and I, I think you're hitting on the, on the main point. I mean, you could take schemes. There's a lot of good schemes. But to me, what it comes down to is what else do you do? I still believe in the basic fundamentals of football, the team with the best fundamentals win, the team that plays the hardest. I know it's the NFL. You can, have, you can be in the NFL and have a college mentality, high school mentality of just playing hard, getting guys to buy into that. And as I say, it being fundamentally sound. And the next component, though, I think you have to have, the object of the goal is to win football games. And, of course, to win, you have to score points. I think you can have that same mindset on the defensive side. One area of improvement that we have to make here with the Houston Texans we had nine takeaways last year. You can't win football games that way. There will be an emphasis on it daily by play to get, to get better in that area. Yeah, no doubt.
1: Coach, you last few years, last four or five years, you're coaching in college, and we, we talk about this a lot. I, I do. because I've followed college football for a long time. For a long time, there were distinct differences. There's a college game, there's an NFL game, and you'd watch them, and they didn't look similar. Now they start to look a little similar because the NFL has taken some of the things that they did in college and brought it to the NFL and brought it to their offenses. How do you think your years in the last few years, four or five years in college, will help you be a better NFL defensive coordinator nowadays?
3: Well, John, I thought before I came back to college when I was in the NFL, um, I, I was asked, is there a big difference between college and NFL? I didn't think that there was. I thought some of the same reasons why you went in college, you went in NFL. Going back from the NFL to the college game, I I can just reaffirm what I initially thought. Uh, you mentioned earlier, I think there are a lot more things that you can that are being done in college. Uh, and primarily the what you do with the quarterback. Yes. You know, the NFL, the quarterback doesn't run. He's not a base part. Him running the the football isn't something you deal with as much in NFL. That part of the college game is coming more towards NFL. So felt like being in college has really kind of prepared me for this move to come back here as much as anything, but eventually it's going to get, get, get back to uh, blocking, tackling, taking the ball away.
1: No doubt. And coach, the draft is coming up. I would imagine, that you're somebody that our scouting personnel wants to talk to because you've coached some players, but you've also coached against some players directly. How has that helped impact kind of the draft uh, discussions leading up that they can go to you and say, hey,
3: coach, can you tell us about this player you coached or this player you coached against the last few years in the Big Ten? Well, experience helps you an awful lot. And that experience that I've ha- had in the college game. Uh, in our, you know, I'm coming from the Big Tens, great football there throughout, and four or five years in college football, I do know a lot of the players, and it's pretty neat, John, really. A lot of the yeah. guys that I'm evaluating now, <laughs> some of my own players, and a yeah. lot of guys that I've coached, even through free agency, you know, we signed uh, Desmond King. You know, I remember yeah. all these guys I've coached yeah. against, and I knew him then. And now I see also how they develop as an NFL player. I think that helps me an awful lot too. But that is neat to be in a situation where I do have some insight. You're always trying to get insight on players. And I feel like, and not just me, there are some others on our staff coming in from the college game can can help with that. Coach, this one might be a little tricky, but I played
1: for my dad many, many years ago. And when I coached for a while, I always wondered what it would be like to coach with my dad. You have that opportunity to coach with your son. Well, what,
3: what's that like? It's just the greatest uh, feeling you could have. You know, our, our Houston Cougs just lost a tough game, had an outstanding season. They had a great special on Kelvin Sampson talking about his relationship. His son is on his staff. There's a lot of us that have an opportunity, that have had an opportunity to coach with our son. And just think about this. You know, with a lot of the coaches, you know, you leave and you go home. When you have a family member like that, you're talking football always. I know Miles in in, in particular, who will be coaching our linebackers here, everything I know on football, he's been around, you know, for the last 10 years or so. He's been – he's seen it exactly how we want to do all things. So, I think it's a great – on a personal note uh, – that makes this move down there even, even better to be able to work every day with your son, too. I know my dad and I would have been butting head-to-head on the sideline at some point.
1: So uh, I, I hope you guys aren't doing that. I know you guys have been ultra-successful being together. Coach, is there is there a player in, your, in the past that you use as an example of what you want young professional players to be? Maybe not the best player you had, maybe not your favorite player, well, maybe one that you hold up here and say, "Look, this is a guy that we look at it and say he's the one you need to emulate." Is there a player over the those years that you kind of use as an example for your young players to try and emulate?
3: You know, John, I'm going to stay away from that question, and here's why. Uh, I was a when I was a coach for you know up north with the Bears. Yeah. I once answered that quartz question a certain way and mm-hmm. i talked about a current player that i have who's at hall of famer right now sure well that night i got another call from a hall of <laughs> famer that i had coached before he said hey love you i kind of heard what you said on that <laughs> and i'm gonna ask it like this there's uh, at every position i think i've been around someone that a young player can benefit from and I'm going to call on all of those experiences, players that I've coached in the past. And nowadays you're just a, a button away from being able to see all of the things that I'm talking about. But it's, when you come in new and you bring in cut up from players that have done it the exact way you would want it to be done, that's pretty neat. And that's what we'll have all the experience we have, the players I've had a chance to coach, I'm going to be, our guys will have an opportunity to see exactly how, they became the players that they, they end up being in their career, which was special players. Coach, for this 2021 defense, it's got to come a long way from
1: 2020. It was not very good statistically. A lot of teams ran the ball on us last year. was a very difficult year. I would imagine you've got goals set out for this 2021 defense. Is there a goal in particular? You mentioned the turnovers. That's got to improve but do you have a few other numerical goals or statistical goals that you feel like this defense has to get to to turn the corner and be a really uh, top-notch defense like it's been in years past here?
3: Well, there is a lot of numbers, and and we we talked about takeaways, but it's a lot more than that. I think when you talk about just good defense, you talk about good offense, offense is going to talk about you, you have to be able to stop the run. Sure. I mean, so what we're going to start with just that, stopping the run. If we can play the run better and take the ball uh, away more, be better on third down conversions, things that, that lead to points, that's a good starting spot. And how we're going to comp- accomplish that is through competition. You know, I like to talk about a lot of guys by name, but the good thing about a new staff coming in, everybody has a chance to prove exactly who they are. You know we don't we don't have a, a depth chart that's uh, that's that's written in ink yet. We're gonna go with what we see on the football field. That should bring out the best in us all. Coach, you're the best. I'm so glad that you're here. I
1: told you before we started that logo looks great. It's a little surreal, I gotta admit, but I love seeing it. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for talking with me, John. Boy, well, that was fun stuff talking with Lovey Smith, associate head coach uh, and defensive coordinator. I, I chuckled. When I asked that question, I always love to ask people about you know people in their past. I, I love asking and, and finding about you know players, coaches, whatever the case might be, people that had an influence. <laughs> he said, "You know what? If I answer this, I'm going to get a call from somebody." <laughs> I just I I was dying laughing on the Zoom. Uh, that was that was that was a funny reaction. I want to hit the Desmond King thing on the other side because I think that's really, really interesting that he brought up Desmond King. They've met before, and King made an impression. And plus, he talked about stopping the run. I read a tweet that really sort of put it, uh, kind of encapsulated why it's important to stop the run. And it helps to look at Derrick Henry's performance against the AFC South in 2020. We'll do that in our final segment right here on Texans All Access.
0: Texans All Access continues in a moment. Two is better than one. How many times have you heard that one? More than once, I bet, because it just adds up. For example, there are two, not one, great reasons to fill up with Chevron with Techron. Number one, unbeatable cleaning power. And number two, or maybe this should be number one, unbeatable mileage. Plus, Chevron puts Techron in every grade, every gallon of their gasoline. So that's two, no wait, three unbeatable reasons to go with the one and only Chevron with Techron. Care for your car. Care for your car. Care for If you love podcasts and you love the Texans, you'll love our Texans podcasts. Now available on iTunes and HoustonTexans.com.
1: Welcome back to the show, Texas All Access. I'm your host, John Harris. Mark Vandermeer will be back tomorrow, a little bit under the weather tonight, and hopefully he's feeling better, and we'll knock out that Friday show and send you into the weekend, and I'll be busy on Saturday. I've got uh, Sam Houston taking on at McNeese State at Bauer Stadium, 4 o'clock on Saturday. Can't wait. Sam Houston undefeated, top five team in the country. I think this is the best team I've seen Casey Keeler have, so I'm looking forward to calling that game on Saturday, so that'll be part of my weekend, but that's... Just it's calling a football game. It's it's fun. It's, I wouldn't say it's work because the second I say it's not work, it's like do it for free. You're like yeah, I mean I've done plenty for free over the years, but uh, you get the point. I mentioned or Lovey Smith mentioned in that interview we did. He and I just now he mentioned Desmond King. Desmond King became a Texan this off season, and when he said that, I got me curious. So I looked it up. When Desmond King was at Iowa, they crossed over one year. Iowa and Illinois. Uh, when I'm sorry, when Desmond King was at Iowa in 2016, it was Lovey's first year at Iowa in 2016, and they met, and uh, Iowa put it on Illinois that day. Iowa uh, Iowa got the win, and Desmond King had an interception in that game. Now he didn't have any return yards in that game. They weren't kicking the ball, which I don't, I don't. I don't blame him. He did not have the only game in 2016. He did not have a kick return yard or a punt return yard. Uh, that was pretty smart. You don't you don't kick him the ball. So Desmond King had the attention of Lovely Smith, no doubt. And then he had an interception, one of the three that he had in his senior year before he went on into the NFL. He's a, uh, I, know, I know he's the Big Ten defensive back of the year and has gone on to have a really solid career. But you just never know. I remember when Bill O'Brien – was at Penn State. They got rocked by Ohio State the second year he was there. Quarterback for Ohio State was Braxton Miller, who the Texans ended up drafting in 2016, Braxton Miller. Sometimes those college matchups end up producing a marriage down the road, and hopefully with Lovey Smith and Desmond King, it'll be a little bit better than Bill O'Brien and Braxton Miller. I saw a tweet the other day, and I I went looking for it. I could not find it anywhere. But it had to do with Derrick Henry, and it popped up in my mind – As I was listening to Lovey Smith talk about stopping the run. Because I know people hear that now, and analytics dudes are just like, like, oh my God, are you serious? Stopping the run? Well, if you think about this division, the AFC South. The AFC South had, and we faced these teams twice, which you all know, Derrick Henry led the league in rushing. Jonathan Taylor, the Colts, was third in the league in rushing. James Robinson from Jacksonville was tied for fifth in a league in rushing. Henry Rush for 2,027 yards, Jonathan Taylor 1169, and James Robinson 1,070. Three backs that the Texans have got to face. Three very good offensive lines that they've got to face. And if you think about those games, obviously take two Jacksonville ones out because we won those. But even even at that point, those are close. The first one wasn't the second one was twenty seven twenty five. Robinson did a good job keeping a minute with nearly hundred yards rushing, but Derrick Henry was kind of my kind of the the one I wanted to focus on because I remember that tweet that came the other day. If Derrick Henry, if you took out every game of Derrick Henry's last year, ten games that were not AFC South matchups, Derrick Henry still would have rushed for one thousand forty two yards. In the division, in six games against the division. Of course, against us, he went for 212 in the first one and then 250 in the last one. Against Jacksonville, they slowed him down in the first game with 84. The second game was 215. Against the Colts, he went for 103, and then he went for 178. That's a total of 1,042 yards. Derek Henry finishes ninth. In the NFL and rushing. And not that far out of third, actually, with just the six games in the division. So not only do the Texans need to get better against the run, everybody in the division needs to get better against the run. But we better find a way to keep Derrick Henry from going for 200 again. He's got a streak of three games of 200 yards rushing And if we're thinking about playing better this year in 2021 and beyond, they better stop Derrick Henry in some way, shape, or form. And hopefully, Lovey Smith is the man to help them do that. And a big thanks to Lovey Smith. A big thanks to the general, John McClain. To my man, Eddie P, back in studio. To all of you for listening, a huge, huge thanks. We will be back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Thank you so much, everybody. And as always, go Texans.
0: This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.
1: Ashley Home Store is proud to call Houston home. Whether you're living in a midtown high-rise or you're moving into your forever home, we have the options you need and the prices you really want. Visit today and find stylish sofas, dining sets, and more, starting as low as $10 per month. Ashley Home Store has financing options made to fit any budget. Start designing your dream home today. We have 12 Houston area locations to serve you. Ashley Home Store. This is home. Proud sponsor of the Houston Texans.